Good evening, church. My name is Kendrick, and I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church. I'm so grateful that you guys have taken time out of your evening to worship with us tonight on Good Friday. And before we go before the Lord in worship and in learning, I just wanted to start off uh, by reading a passage, by reading a prophecy of the night that we are remembering and celebrating tonight. So I'm going to be reading from Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 4. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearing is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of many people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a, man, with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was with the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear, <coughs> shall bear their inequities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Church, will you join us in worship tonight?
we give you praise tonight for what you did on the cross for us. Lord, speak to us now through your word. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Good evening, Calvary Church. We are so glad you've joined us tonight for our Good Friday service. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church. And before we turn to God's Word, we want to do something a little bit different tonight. We want to turn to the Lord in prayer to prepare our hearts as we come to His Word. When we think about the cross of Jesus and and His death for us, it is only right that we should have two responses. First, we should be reminded of our sin, that there was a reason that this was necessary. And secondly, we should be reminded that there is uh, forgiveness available for all who ask, for all who come to Jesus. And so with these two things in mind, we are going to pause for a prayer of confession. And although all of us are in different places, all of us are, uh, have different things that we need to bring before Jesus to confess and to ask for forgiveness, we are united together as a church who prays for forgiveness and who has that promise um, that Jesus forgives sin. So in just a second, um, I'm going to lead us through a prayer, and it's going to come up on the screen in a moment. You can read through that together and reflect on it as we pray together as a church. And you can even uh, bring your own things to the table silently as we reflect on this prayer. But either way, let's, let's turn our hearts, let's silence everything else, and come before the Lord um, to ask for confession. Let us join together, church, in confessing our sin. Father, we gather together with expectant knowledge that through your Son, you freely pardon all who repent and turn to him. We have all sinned against you this week in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. We have not loved you or others as you told us. Grant us the mercy, the forgiveness, and the cleansing that Jesus gives to those who confess their sin. Grant that we may worship you in spirit and in truth to the glory of your name. Amen. Well, church, tonight, uh, as we've said, is Good Friday. And we uh, began our service tonight with a reading from Isaiah chapter 53, which helps us as we remember Christ's sacrifice, Christ's death on the cross. Isaiah 53 is a prophecy um, given hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus that speaks to his death and suffering that he would go through as the suffering servant to bring forgiveness for God's people. And it shows us the truth of the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for sinners like us. Isaiah 53 speaks of Jesus' suffering and death on behalf of people like you and me. He bore the sin of many. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, oppressed, afflicted, stricken for the sin and transgression of others. He bore our grief. He carried our sorrows. We can't even wrap our minds uh, uh, upon the suffering that he went through on the cross. It also reminds us that Jesus is perfect without sin. The innocent sacrifice, just like the, the sacrificial lamb in the Old Testament. He had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, it says. 
It's also uh, very careful to point out that Jesus offers himself willingly. This is not something that he was led into or he was trapped by. He went to the cross on his own will to save others. He did not open his mouth to cry out or to, or to, to call on others or, to, or just to, to, to cry out about how badly things were going. No, he remained silent, even when he was being led through a sham trial, uh, even when he was being flogged and whipped and carrying his cross up that hill. And as he endured the slow death of crucifixion, hung there to die slowly. By his suffering and death, he accomplishes something astounding. He restores our relationship with God and forgives our sin. He brings us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. And he will make many to be accounted as righteous, to be brought back to God. And all of this, this, this tragedy, this beautiful uh, event, comes according to the perfect will of God. It was the will of the Lord to crush him, to lay on him the iniquity of, of us all. It was his perfect plan to defeat death and corruption, to bring creation back to where it was supposed to be, to restore his people to himself, to forgive sin. And it even lays the seeds of what will come next, that God promises to raise up Christ again, that he will see his offspring, that the Lord will prolong his days. Now, I hope this is a familiar passage and a familiar message to you, the message of the gospel. And this is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, at the heart of what the church is about, and even really at the center of human history, that Jesus came to forgive sinners like you and I. This is a truly astounding thing. We can't overstate how important this is. But tonight, I want us to look and see the way that this is good news for us. We want to see how is it that the death of Jesus should come to save other people? How is it that Jesus' righteousness is applied to people like you and me? And why should our punishment be able to be poured onto Jesus? How can he pay it for us? And so, at the end of it, how does this shape and change our lives? So to do that, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You can turn there in your Bibles right now. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And here, in a letter written to the churches in Galatia, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is God's word. On that cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus died. And Paul says, if you are a follower of Jesus, you died on that cross too. Followers of Jesus are crucified with Christ. I'll say that again. Followers of Jesus are crucified with Christ. To be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, is to be one who has gone to the cross and died with him there. Now, what can this mean? There's a very real sense, right, that the cross was a historical event. It happened 2,000 years ago, and you and I weren't there. Uh, so, in a real sense, Jesus is the only one who actually was physically present, dying on the cross. And as the only one who is both fully God and fully human, he is the only one who can bear the sins of the world on the cross. So we have to keep that in mind, first of all. But to experience the effects of Jesus' death, for it to be good news for you and me, we must be united with Jesus in his death. As one theologian said, as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, 
All that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value to us. We must be in Christ. So to follow Jesus is to be united with him, to be in him by the Holy Spirit, to be brought in in close um, proximity and connection to him. What's his is ours, and what's ours is his. And the New Testament uses several word pictures, illustrations, to help us wrap our minds around this idea. In certain places, um, God's people, are the church, are called the body of Christ. And each of the members are different pieces of the body that all work together um, with Jesus as the head. In other places, God's people are a temple um, that is being built up, and Jesus is the foundation. He's the cornerstone that everything is built on. And in other places, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. He is the source of our growth, of our life, and we all branch out from him. All of these give us this main point that Christians are united with Jesus. Now, it's, it's really important to say, these are all metaphors, but it's not just a metaphor. It's not just figurative. Something really happens and takes place here. The cross of Christ affects us because we really are included in it. Jesus calls anyone who would follow him to take up their cross and to die with him, to come and die. We are united with him, Romans tells us, in his death, in his burial, and we are raised with him in his resurrection to walk in new life. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. Now, this doesn't mean that our human personality is just gone, like, like we're possessed or something like that. And it doesn't mean that all of our problems just go away in an instant, that we no longer struggle with sin, and we no longer have, find things difficult in the world, that everything's just great all of a sudden. But it does mean that a radical transformation has taken place. Christ in his spirit dwells inside of us. He makes us holy, sanctifies us, and he gives us power through the spirit to uh, obey God, to follow God's way. Galatians 4, 6 describes this. It says, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. All that we have through Christ, we have because we are connected with him. So life in Christ is about cruciformity. Cruciformity, being crucified with Christ. This is kind of a strange word, but it's really important for describing the Christian life. Cruciformity. What does it mean? It means that our lives are shaped by Jesus' crucifixion. They are cross-shaped, formed to the cross. Um, by Jesus' um, death and life, we are defined and we are formed by the cross. We become people not just who are saved by the gospel, but who live by the gospel. The cross isn't just the way that we are saved for eternity. It's the way that we live day to day, right now, each and every second. It's not just a one-time message that gets us to heaven. It's the pattern that shapes our day to day from the most boring moments to the most big and important moments that we can think of. It should define our actions. The old way of living is dead. Um, it is crucified on the cross, and we are raised to a new way of life. Now, when we think about this idea of cruciformity, of being crucified with Christ, there are three things specifically that Paul um, talks about in his letters that we die to. There are three things that we are crucified to. Three areas that are now dead to us because we are connected with Jesus. And this means that our relationship to them has changed. Uh, they no longer control us. They no longer dominate or rule over our lives. They can't define us. So we're going to look at these three things to teach us how we can be formed by the cross. First, Paul tells us that we are crucified to the law. And we see this in Galatians 2, um, 19, when Paul says that, Through the law I died to the law, 
so that I might live to God. When Paul speaks about the law in the book of Galatians, he's talking about human effort. He's talking about uh, all that we do to try and earn our place before God. We try and follow all the rules. We try and be holy enough and righteous enough so that we can be good people, um, that we can be good enough that God would accept us and, and bring us to heaven someday. It's trying to be good enough on our own. But this is not the way the gospel works. This is not the way Christians are to live their lives. We are dead to this. It's gone. Uh, Kendrick talked about this in his sermon on Sunday, that there is no ability on our part to be able to be right before God. It's, we are unable to do it. We cannot be justified by our works, and our best attempts at following God's commands are not good enough. But that way is dead. It's gone to us. We're no longer trapped under that unliftable weight. We are made right by faith in Jesus. We are free from the crushing struggle to be perfect. We're free from the guilt of our mistakes and the sin and failures that used to define us. Jesus has died in our place. He's borne our iniquities, and he makes us right with God. And so all we must do is come to him in faith, ask for forgiveness. This is the heart of the gospel. To try and go back to our own effort and our own goodness, that's to, uh, that's to try and earn our place with God. That's rejecting Jesus on the cross. And that's the height of sin and pride and arrogance to say, I don't need the cross. So we're crucified to the law. Secondly, we are crucified to our sin. We're crucified to our sin. We see this in Galatians 5.24. Paul says that we have crucified the flesh, which is our sinful nature before, from our birth, with its passions and desires. And in Romans 6, verse 6, Paul tells us that by being united with the death of Jesus, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. What is he saying here? He's saying that we are no longer slaves to our sin. We're no longer under its domination. We're no longer unable to follow God and have a real relationship with him. No, we've been set free. We've been given new life. And, then, and again, it's important to remember that this doesn't mean that we no longer struggle with sin or that we're all perfect beings who, who never have anything to confess before God. That's just not true. It's not what scripture tells us. It doesn't ever mean that we won't ever fail again or that we won't continue to struggle sometimes with the same thing over and over again. We are still tempted. We still struggle with the presence of sin in our lives until we, the, the world ends and we go to be with Jesus. But it doesn't control us, and it's not our master anymore. We are dead to sin and alive to Jesus. By his Spirit, he enables us to grow to be like him, to follow his ways, to walk in the Spirit, and to live in obedience. He gives us a, a truly new and transformed life. The Bible even says that we are like new people, new creations. And so because of this transformed life, we can no longer continue living the way we used to. It's really tempting to say, Jesus forgives, so sin isn't really that serious anymore, right? It's not that big a deal. It's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Um, I'm going to live the way I want to now, and then later on I'll go back and I'll ask for forgiveness, and Jesus will cover it, right? It's no big deal. Well, that's, that's not how this works. That's unacceptable, and that is against the gospel. The old person is dead and buried. It must be gone. Being crucified with Christ means that we cannot go and crawl back in our grave. We cannot dig up that old self, that old corpse. It's gone. We have to leave the old way behind, leave it in the grave, and live this new life, presenting ourselves to Jesus for righteousness. 
If we have been risen with Christ, we should live this new life. We should not want to go back to our sin. We are crucified to our sin. And that brings us to number three. We are crucified to the law, we are crucified to our sin, and we are crucified to the world. This comes from the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians, when he insists that as a follower of Jesus, he can boast in nothing except for the cross of Jesus Christ. Because through the cross, we are crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to him. That's Galatians 6, 14. This means we no longer belong to the world. It is not our home. We're not citizens of this world anymore. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, which is begun and is going to one day be fully realized when we live with Jesus, when we live in God's presence under his complete rule. We've been given a new authority, King Jesus. That means that we are no longer the authority. It means that it's not our country, not our family, not our career, not our political party, our favorite speaker, or any guru that rules our lives, only Jesus. And so we can boast in nothing else. Nothing else can define who we are and how we have value. Um, We are not defined by our careers, by our hobbies, by our talents, by our successes or our failures. We are not ultimately defined by our ethnicity, not by our nationality, not by being a parent or a spouse or being single. We are defined only by Jesus. In him we find our true selves. And we have a new life as we were created to be. We're restored to God's plan for our lives. Now, by dying to the world and its influence, um, we're going to have a difficult time here in this life. Uh, By being crucified to the law, by being crucified to our sin, by being crucified to the world, we are going to look strange. We're not going to look like anybody else around us. And, And because of that, we are going to experience suffering. To be crucified with Christ means that we will suffer with Christ. Now, Paul experienced this. He talks about that in Galatians. He tells us that uh, when we do not accept uh, that we are saved by our works, when we die to the law, that means that those who want to find their justification, they want to find their worth in their goodness or their actions, they're not going to like us. Those ones who demand legalism and self-righteousness, to them the cross is offensive. It removes their ability to stand on their own and to look down in contempt upon other people who are not as good as they are. They will make us suffer at their hands. We will also suffer from those who refuse to leave behind their sin, who cling to it, who continue to live in it. To them, we will be condemned as bigoted, as legalistic, as judgmental and harsh, unloving. And Jesus himself experienced what it was to be... um, crucified to the world. To the world, he was an outsider, strange and threatening to them. And if we follow after Jesus, we will experience the same. Jesus said to his followers, the world hated me, they will hate you too. This is the way of Jesus. Lives that are cruciform, lives that are shaped by the cross are united with Christ. And so they follow the path that Jesus walked, which is a path of suffering. Jesus suffered for the sake of others. He poured out his life, and he gave up his rights for others. And we must do the same. We die to the law, we die to sin, and we die to the world. Our lives are cruciform. They are shaped by the cross, and therefore we will experience suffering. But there is joy to be found in the cruciform life. 
We are united with Jesus in his death, so also we are united with him in his resurrection. To be crucified with Christ means that we will receive resurrection life. When we die to ourselves, we can experience resurrection life. Death on Good Friday leads to resurrection on Easter. We must go through the way of suffering. We must go through this death to ourselves in order to receive that new, eternal, everlasting life that begins right now. Those who follow Jesus are raised with Christ by the Spirit, and we walk in newness of life by the Spirit. There is no life without crucifixion. So run to the cross, church. Run to Jesus on the cross. Come and die so that you might truly live. Following Jesus means being crucified with Christ. Good Friday is good. It's good news because we have died with him. Because we are united with him in his death. We are raised to new life in his resurrection. And now Jesus lives in us. Amen. Let's pray, church. Father, we praise you for this gospel that you have given us. This way to die to our old self, to our, to our best effort, to our sin, and to the world, and to be found in you, to have this new and everlasting life. Father, I pray if there are those who do not know you, that they would surrender to you today, that they would come to die so they might be raised in you. And Father, I pray for those who are followers of Jesus, we would be reminded of this truth, that we have left everything behind. We have given up our rights. We have died to ourself so that we might be found in you and we might experience the joy of that resurrection life today. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now let's continue and close our time with worship.
celebrating the death of our Savior together. I hope you join with us on Sunday morning, 1030, in person or online on Sunday for Easter Sunday. Thank you for joining with us.